God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations in each of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This story is from the gospel. The word gospel means good news. You may be wondering, where is the good news in this gloomy, doomy passage? And the Holy Spirit always gets us there. So we trust in that today. Before we delve into it, I'd like to share the context of this passage. There are three audiences I want to lift up. The first audience are those living there with Jesus, listening to his teachings. The, the people bedazzled by the walls of the temple. They're admiring the beautiful stones and the jewels and the gold and the glowing votives, the gifts that the pilgrims, the Jewish pilgrims have brought. This building, the temple in Jerusalem, was the most magnificent building in the world at that time. The second audience is that of Luke, the author of this gospel. This gospel was written after that temple was destroyed. It was destroyed in the year 70 of the Common Era. And this was written 10 to 30 years after that. So Luke's audience, some of them witnessed that horror, that terrible experience. And some of them certainly, certainly are still living in the wake of it. This temple was the very center of Jewish life, and it housed the very presence of God. So for many, it must have seemed like the world was coming to an end. And then a third audience is us. We today are church-going Christians. We're very, at the very end of the liturgical year in the life of the church. So we have just one more Sunday in this season we call Ordinary Time before we begin the season of Advent, which kicks off another church year. So here at the end of our church year, we have this apocalyptic text, this end-of-the-world passage, as we get ready to prepare for a new life that concludes Advent with Christmas. As Christians and followers of God, people of faith living in the here and the now, we don't have a temple like they did in Jerusalem. We may not have war right now on a big scale in our own country, on our own soil. Most of us are probably not sleeping hungry or cold. We have enough to eat and to wear. We may not have a, a big disease epidemic in our own culture, but we look around the world and all of that is going on, all the terrors that Jesus was speaking about. We do have the experience of September 11th when the Twin Towers fell. Within minutes, they crumbled, much like the temple crumbled. So we have our own understanding of calamity and disaster. And we may wonder, is the end coming? Well, in our story today, Jesus is the party pooper who interrupts the people in their enjoyment of that beautiful temple. He says, everything you're looking at will be reduced to rubble one day. And they don't seem surprised. As one pastor, Yvette Schock, points out, they don't seem shocked 
and say, what are you talking about? They just say, when? What's the sign? So we know when this is coming. And does Jesus answer their question? As a good rabbi, never directly. He says, you will hear of people saying they know the end of time, they know the date, the hour. Don't believe them, it's not true. You will see all these horrible things happening around you. You yourselves may suffer as you testify about your faith. And this too is not a sign that the end is coming. I will tell you that the end will not happen immediately. That's how Jesus responds. The end will not happen immediately. So what is he saying? That message is for all the audiences I mentioned, including us today. If we look at the New Testament writings, there's evidence um, that a lot of the Jesus followers, the Jews at that time, had a sense of the imminent end of the world. But the world kept on happening, and they kept on living. The last judgment kept on not coming. So the real direction that Jesus wants to take the people and that Luke wants to take the followers of Christ is to don't be so future-minded or heaven-minded that you're of no good use right here today. The question really is not when this will happen, but how fruitfully can we spend our time while we're waiting right here in our daily lives. So Jesus goes on as he describes these disasters, and the next thing he says like all the messengers sent by God into the world. He says, but don't be afraid when you see these things, when you experience your own calamity. Don't be afraid. And these words of comfort comfort in the scripture are usually followed by a call to action. So Jesus is preparing the people for action. And how he does that is he says, don't prepare yourself. Don't try to figure out now what you will say, but trust me and know that I will tell you everything you need to know. The wisdom I will give you will be far surpassing anything the world can offer you. So when you are in trouble, and more trouble is coming, hold fast to what lasts. Keep your eyes and your heart on me, and I will see you through. Many of us know people, and we might be some of them, in our culture especially, who live for the future, either with great hope and lots of dreams or with great fear and dread. We may be busy making plans for retirement, even as young people, dreaming about that day, starting our savings account, watching our retirement funds, hopefully move in the upward direction. We long for the day when we can really rest, spend more time with friends and family, travel the world, or just choose what we want to do with our time. We know people who've lived this way, and we all know people who have died young or before they could ever enjoy a retirement. A friend of mine, Tim, a fellow Christian pilgrim, now at retirement age or nearing there, just retired. He and his wife just retired. 
his younger brother died suddenly, about uh, just around his 60s as well. His brother had retired, started to enjoy the savings that he had saved, and then very suddenly he's gone. So Tim got a wake-up call. He had his own business, he was self-employed, he did well. And he and his wife said, it's time. And the very first day of their retirement, they left town, traveled south, to go live for one month with childhood friends who they remained close to. And this was not just for their enjoyment or leisure, but their friends both are living with cancer and are very ill and going through treatment. So Tim and his wife now will be able to help them during this month and give them respite. Tim and his wife are living out their faith. With their whole bodies, they're on the move. Part of Jesus' teaching is without words. If we look at the Gospels, all of his ministry was always on the move. It was never established in any one synagogue, not in the temple. He was moving from place to place, often depending on whoever was there to feed and shelter he and his disciples. This is living in the immediate now. This is living out our life fruitfully while we don't worry about the future and how it will unfold. This weekend we celebrate the 30th anniversary of the toppling of the Berlin Wall. That wall that we know historically separated East Germany from West Germany, East from West, from those living without much freedom at all, under great oppression, separating those from others who lived with great freedom, much like we enjoy today. And while some this weekend are celebrating that anniversary, we know that there are many who are ready to build it right back up again. And that is nothing new. Since the beginning of human history, we humans have been building walls to keep some people out, to secure ourselves within. But what is true is that every wall built will crumble, either by erosion or by human hands. Jesus' good news today is a message to us. Don't hang on to your walls. Or don't spend so much time holding fast to them, focusing on their beauty, their jewels, their strong stones. And don't heed the world's message to spend most or all of your energy building up walls of security or status or prestige. None of it will last. Keep your eyes on me as God's messenger is the message Jesus brings. For I am God's message in the flesh, in this body. I will show and tell you what to hold fast to. I will give you courage to endure so that anything that's crumbling around you will never devastate you to the full. You will have your eyes on me. So how are we living out our faith today? Baptism reminds us of our incarnational faith, that we have a God who comes to us in the flesh. Jesus was the fullness of God. We learn from the scripture we are all created in God's image, that God dwells within us in these bodies. At baptism, we bring our bodies to the water of new life. 
so that we can be sent out into the world filled with the Spirit to be the hands and feet of Christ. I have a friend here at Knox who votes at every election, surely as a civic duty, but also as a spiritual practice. He's prayerful about how he votes, paying attention to the candidates and the issues on the ballot that will most serve in meeting the needs of, as he describes it, the least, the lost, the lonely, the left out. So whether we're into politics or not, that's one way some of us can live out our faith and be mindful of who we're called to serve. Yesterday, as Miss Tina shared with the children and all of us, we had Mission Possible here. This building serves as a, a mission, bringing us in to nourish us and sending us back out into the world, as happened yesterday, where groups came to enjoy breakfast, and then some went to Interfaith Hospitality Network to bring items of, donated to help our homeless families. They helped clean the IHN Day Center. Others were right here in the sanctuary, taking every cushion off the pew that you're sitting on, removing pencils and candy and whatever else you've left behind, polishing and dusting. Others were at a church in Kenwood packing food sacks for our kids in Cincinnati who go hungry when they're not in school. And with the holidays coming, they'll have bags of food that they can open themselves without the help of an adult. Recently, Pastor Adam was out doing the good work of the presbytery at another congregation, and a gentleman came up to him with tears in his eyes as he expressed gratitude for he and his wife, who every Monday they come to Knox Church to participate in the In Harmony Choir, the choir you saw in the stewardship video. That hour together of singing means the world to them and their healing this journey of dealing with dementia and memory loss. We give thanks for all the, all the people that Knox Church houses, the recovery groups, the community groups, the healing groups, all the ways God gives us this space to build us up, that we might go out into the world and not build up walls, but build up others in God's love. There's a pastor poet I love who I've quoted before, Pastor Steve Garnis Holmes. And he shares a poem that speaks to some of the themes of our scripture today in this, this reminder that what we have is immediately before us. And to pay attention to what's around us, not on our structures or our savings accounts, but on other people. And how God might be calling us to serve. He writes... You spent your childhood planning your retirement home. You blew your youth laying out that shuffleboard in your head. You missed the fishing trip, obsessed instead with how you would be congratulated for how well you cooked the fish. Never mind heaven. Living is not rewarded. It is just worth it. Whatever you wait for, it isn't something God is withholding. God is not the God of later. God is in the present moment. Life is this, not something else. 
pay attention. Friends, when we hold fast to what lasts, we surely receive and ensure our souls. The one thing that lasts in this world is God's love. Wherever we see love growing, wherever we participate in love's growing, we know for sure that we have gained our souls. And that is something we can never lose when we stick with God and to all things that hold fast. Thanks be to God. Amen.